Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Idle Chatter. I'm your host, Ray Bohax, the Hot Rod Farmer, and that is Tex Rubinowitz from Ripsaw Records. And as I always say every week, he is the Hot Rod Man, right? So we have the Hot Rod Farmer and the Hot Rod Man getting together with you here today. And I want to thank you so much for spending the next time slot, right? I always say, I guess I, I don't want to say one hour because God knows it may be a little bit longer. Hopefully it is not. But it is uh, cold and rainy. Boy, the weather sure did change over here in Warren County, New Jersey. It is 46 degrees for a high and it's raining pretty nicely. And um, just last week it was 87 degrees. So it went from summer to uh, to winter, right? Well, I am not really winter. All right, maybe that's winter for someplace down south, but it's, it feels colder than it actually is. You know, when you come out of the summer, and, you know, if it was 47 degrees in February, people would be walking around in T-shirts. But in the, uh, in, well, it's October now, but uh, since it was 87 degrees last week, the people are wearing overcoats and hats and uh everything putting the heat on the house and all the other good stuff i guess that's coming down the pike but i have a couple of housekeeping things that i would i would like to go over if that is all right with you and first of all i want to say thank you to a listener from ohio that sent me a note through the mail and a a picture of his family and due to his religious beliefs, he does not want to be announced on the radio, but he will know who he is. And my friend, you have a very beautiful, handsome family. You have uh, just lovely, lovely, and what an honor for you to share it with me. And you got that little baby also in your wife's arms, only a couple of days old. So I want to thank you so much for your note. And I hopefully, God willing, I will get the opportunity to send you an, a, a, a letter in the mail. I have all intentions to, but you know what they say, sometimes the best laid plans of mice and men go astray. But I do want to thank you so much for sharing your family's picture with me, <clears throat> excuse me, and for listening to my show. And then I also want to give a shout out to Gary Harrier, who is a longtime listener, and he truly enjoyed, he said he truly enjoyed the show about us. Are things getting too complicated? And uh, and why I'm laughing is because he said that he has problems with his Verizon phone line also. And I spoke about that on that on that episode. And they told him he's got old copper. So I guess it's old copper all over the place, but I'm just laughing because it's it. I'm, the reason why I'm laughing is because you know when you 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 call someone or call a company, right? Let's say, uh, and the, well, the phone company in this particular instance. But let's say you call a power company, right? And said my power's out, and you're like, I got old copper. What the hell you want? So I mean, it's it's like a knee jerk reaction talking point for Verizon. But Gary told me in his email that they switched the line on him and it was working. Well, yes, Gary, I wish, I hope that you have better luck than I have because in the past three years, they must have done the same thing where they go in a box and they find an open circuit or an open line and they switch you to that. But uh, that did not work for me and hopefully that does work for you. It would work a little bit and sometimes for uh, three weeks and sometimes for 30 minutes 
and uh, and then once they did it, when they then they had to go re-splice it in the switching station and move it over. And then the the guy who re-spliced it, I guess it's a braided wire, not a solid wire. He left two of the strands out, so it was shorting out against whatever, whatever I'm going to say, box, whatever is in that switching station. So it short out against that, and then the phone would keep ringing. So, but thank you so much, Gary, and I feel your pain with that old copper, and with these complicated, complicated vehicles. So uh, let me see what else I want to tell you. Oh, <clears throat> this is just a, an observation, and it has nothing to do with cars or farm machinery. Or anything but as a quick recap i'm sure many of you who listen and if you listen on on a, on a semi-consistent basis i mean i'm so grateful for those who listen or try to listen every week but the, but uh, if you listen on a semi-consistent basis you will um recall that i had cataract surgery back at the end of july on my right eye and i have mono vision i was born with mono vision so I, i'm nearsighted in one eye and farsighted in the other so anyway so what had happened was that uh, my left eye has got a little bit of a cataract. I don't plan on getting it done now. I want to make sure this all works out well, and it has worked out excellently. But I really don't, uh, you know, I, I use the mechanics attitude. If it isn't really broken, don't touch it. Because my uncle Chris used to say, "Don't try to do a job too good, because then it comes out no good." And I'm sure all of you have experienced that, right? Well, let me just do a little bit more. Let me tighten that bolt in. Well, boom. Well, let me, you know, let me go and put another row of corn in here. And then you hit a rock and bust a planter. So uh, anyway, what had happened was that when I had the cataract surgery done, I used to use, well, prior to that, I used glasses for driving. And I went to my optometrist, uh, well, eyeglass guy, because I always get those confused. His ophthalmologist is a doctor. Optometrist, I think, is the one who doesn't have a full medical degree. And I forgot what they call the guy with who makes glasses. And uh, man hire opticians and in Hackettstown here. They live right down the road from us in Cat Swamp Road. Well, with Cat Swamp turns into Ryan Road, not that it makes any difference to you. And they're, they're, you know, old-time country people have been there their whole life, and he's a John Deere uh, tractor collector. He has antique John Deere tractors, and he does antique tractor pulling with them and does quite well. I'm hoping to get him on, uh, featuring him on the road podcast, but he doesn't seem to be too anxious to do it. But anyway, so I went to, I went to Doug, and I said, you know, he's the one who actually recommended the doctor I went to for the surgery. Okay, somebody's meowing here. I don't know who that is. I also have the no, the noisy chair. So, uh, but anyway, what had happened was that I said to him, okay, Doug, let's take out, this is right the day or two after I had the surgery done, let's take out the right lens from my from my eyeglasses. I don't know who, where, where that meowing is coming from. So, uh, oh, that, oh it's, who is that? Oh, it's, it's Samuel. Oh, it's Hank. No, Hank. No, you can't do this, Hank. You can't, you, you can't come up here right now, Hank. Go back to bed, Hanky. I know. So, uh, <laughs> no, we were doing it. We're doing a show here. So we're doing. No, no, no don't walk on it. Hold, hold. I'm, I'm going to have to just put this on pause for a second. So, so please, and do something with him. Okay. Hopefully, I'm back here. It looks like I am. I never trusted that pause button, but Hank did not want to go out. Everybody is in the house course it's raining and then but samuel well samuel was outside so i guess he was meowing at the door and 
I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to probably have to pause again because i got a whole crew here until I get settled in. But anyway, so I had Doug take my lens out of my eyeglasses on my right eye and then leave it on the left eye, the, the lens that was there. So I figured, you know, mechanic, mechanical sense would say, all right, my right eye, the cataract is gone, so I'm not going to have any multi, any magnification until I go see the doctor, so it's clear lens, and then my left eye is the same. And he did that, he says, yeah, he does that for a lot of people. But what I have found was that I've been driving well without it, uh, but I took a mental health ride the other day out to Limestoneville, to the lake I go to, Montour Preserve, oh, brother, everybody's waking up now. But... Uh, and I said, let me just have the glasses with me. God forbid I, something happens or I can't drive or who knows. Because prior to that with the harvest, I really didn't go more than seven or eight miles to town. So everything worked fine with that. But I said, let me put the glasses on and see, right? So you would tend to think that, okay, my right eye, the cataract is gone, and a clear glass, and then my left eye is still the same, right? Well, it really messed me up, those glasses. And the doctor had told me, he says, well, those glasses aren't going to work for you because it's like wearing somebody else's glasses. But the take-home message here, it, which is very, very, very uh, uh, amazing and to the glory of God, is that I guess what your brain does is homogenize the, the vision that you have from both eyes. Because even if I cover one eye, it's different than if I have the clear lens. And homogenizes that and gives you a, a clearer picture. So interestingly enough, excuse me, interestingly enough is that, excuse me, ever since I, I my right eye, the one with the cataract surgery, is my distance eye and my left eye is my close-up eye, that I've had trouble when I had the cataract reading. Was, I love to read, and it was very burdensome to read, and it was very burdensome to read my Bible with the smaller print. And um, it just was, uh, I had to put it practically on my nose and put a lot of light on it. And then when I had the cataract surgery, I was, which, which is not doing anything with my reading eye, is that I was able to hold my, my scriptures or a magazine at, arm, well, at, at a normal length and read it clearly. And uh, which I thought was amazing because it's, that's the, that's the I didn't touch that by saying, well, you know, I took uh, I, I I put air in a left tire and now the right tire that had a nail in start to pump up and not leak. So I guess there is some dynamic that the good Lord had made with eyesight that it blends it all together because it really really is amazing and homogenizes it in some certain way that will that'll that allows you. So my left eye. My close-up eye, my reading is some is 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 a thousand percent better, and I had no surgery there, so I so it really really, I just wanted to share that with you because it it really is amazing, and obviously I have no medical background, but to know that, but empirically and anecdotally through what I'm experiencing, it's unbelievable. So uh, so if anybody does have some eyesight problems or whatever that you may want to consider, you know, consider what I had found empirically without a medical degree. And um, amazing, amazing how the good Lord made it so that your, uh, your brain takes it and, and, and blends it all together. And actually, it seems like that he gave authority back to my reading eye. Because I'm, I'm saying, to, and I could see, the, so uh, unbelievable, just, just to the glory of God, it's amazing how complex the body is, 
living things are, and no disrespect to anyone who does not believe in the the six twenty four hour day creation. But uh, you know, <laughs> Big Bang ain't gonna do that, buddy. I'm sorry. That's like saying that there was an explosion in a junkyard, and when the dust settled, there was a seven forty seven sitting there that's ready for takeoff. So that is really, really amazing. And let me see what else I wanted to go over here. And that is basically, uh, oh, my, uh, my PT, I, I wanted to cut down my corn. And, <clears throat> and uh, what had happened was that I usually cut it down with a, with a rotary cutter. People call it a, a bush hog or brush hog, but it's a New Holland brand. So its official name is it's a rotary cutter. All right, so uh, Bush Hog is a brand name, like you say, Kleenex, for those who are not familiar with it. So it's a mo- it's a rotary mower, rotary cutter, whatever you want to call it. And it's a and um, now what has happened in the past is that I've always cut my corn down, and with my tractor, obviously, but I used to not have the bucket on the front of the tractor because I have a quick attach bucket. And uh, I would just have the you know the mower hooked up to the tractor, but because the mower is behind the tractor, you're actually riding the corn over and snapping the stalks before you even get before it even gets to the mower to the mower, which is on the back of the tractor. It's not a front-mounted PTO; it's a rear-mounted PTO. So, you know, I said to myself, well, you know, I guess sometimes you you hit some corn and you cut it up better or whatever; it doesn't snap all the way or whatever. So I I always used to do that. And then I said to myself, "Well, this year I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try it in the one the field I just aborted the harvest on, and uh, because to me it seems to be just a waste of time. So I just went with the tractor with the bucket and put the bucket down real low. And the reason why I used the bucket on the tractor because it breaks the corn down regardless if I have the bucket. But we have a lot of rocks in our field, so I set the bucket low so this way you know it's the bucket's gonna hit a rock." that I may, you know, it's amazing how you really learn where all the rocks are in your field, but sometimes you lose perspective when it's a, when you have a, a good crop or a good stand of, of corn stalks, and especially when they're green, like I cut them down because of the problems we had. So so I use the bucket as a feeler, so I don't bust the, even though it's got a slip clutch, so I don't bust the mower, or at least chew up the blades. So that's what I do. And then I discover, I, oh, I didn't discover, I said to myself, well, you know, really, what am I doing over here? Okay, no, 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 everybody's getting up. Sorry about that, people. All right. Uh, <clears throat> so I just went without the mower. And I just knocked the corn stalks down, put the, and it looks no different than if I were with the mower. If you were to think that 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 I mowed it, you, this is faith in there, meowing. So, uh they don't want to go out because it's raining but they hear me talking because they're right here so what happened was that i did that and it worked out beautifully it was took me about an hour and a half less to cut down the field because i could go faster and use less fuel did everything so i was very very happy with it and uh i had a good stand of corn even though i didn't harvest a lot of it and so the ground looks you know all covered with corn stalks and uh, looks good and that is one of the reasons why I'm not doing a cover crop this year, because I have found, since I broadcast my cover crop, it, well, first of all, it's too late in the year, all right, it's not going to, they, they claim that you need to get 60 days worth of growth before it's worthwhile, and that's not going to happen now, 
it would not happen. And then, geez, faith is good. Faith, you don't walk on a, don't walk on the, on the, on the, on the, on the thing. So, uh, so it happened. But also, if you have a good, a good crop, right? Uh, I mean, a lot of corn stalks, a lot of density, since you're not taking the corn off the, the stalks, off the field as you would with a, with a combine, right? And chopping them up is that when I broadcast the seed, 99% of it goes on the corn stalks and the leaves, and then I get very poor germination. So, uh, but this is really bad here. Hold on for one second, please. And, uh, come on. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> I got a, a creaky chair because the other cats are sleeping on the good, the better chair. And I got cats meowing, so it's not going too well. I'm sorry, I apologize. And uh, so I said to myself, I'm not doing a cover crop. I'm not spending the money for it. I love cover crops, but until one day I invest in a drill, which it, I think will never happen, because <clears throat> what would I use it? Like three hours a year? So, and there's no place here you could rent one or anything. So that's why I always broadcast. So, anyway, so I did that, worked out great. But then I went into the first field that I, that, that, the, oh my God, the fall panic. I mean, it's already kind of dying out. But the fall panic just took over that field after I exited that field. And it is a disaster. Oh my God. So I said to myself, I got to put the mower on with this because I got to, I can't just knock down the corn stalks. I got to cut this fall panic down even though it already went into seed and it's starting to die. But who wants to look at a field that's overgrown weeds? I mean, that's that's like a body man looking at a, at a fender that he fixed and the paint's got runs in it. So you don't want to look at that all winter. <clears throat> There's no snow on the ground. So I went to go hook up my mower. And this is the first time I've had a, ever had a problem here on the farm is that it's, you know the the, tel- the PTO shaft is telescopic telescopic so it slides in and out and the thing rusted together so I tried to pull it out I know that there's ways that you could do it some people put a pipe in there and as a crossbar as a crossbar through the, the the universal joint that goes onto the PTO and they whack it with a hammer but when you buy yourself it's really hard to hold that shaft up and then try to put the pipe in there and whack it with the hammer. So I'm going to have to take the PTO off the gearbox and then put it in a vise and soak it with penetrating oil, and hopefully I can get it out. But twenty that mower is 20 years old, so 2003, and uh, never had a problem with it. And this year, my God, the thing is rusted solid. So we had a lot of rain, and we we the latter part of the summer and a lot of humidity so here's hank no no hanky and uh no no hank don't go on the road guest so everybody i'm gonna have to try to stop this again guys i really apologize for this but i did not plan this but they'll mess this all up okay so hello i'm back i don't think this is gonna work out too well so anyway the p i don't even know i was talking about the pto shift Everybody went in and out because it's raining and they don't like it and uh, they don't know what's going <laughs> Not that they don't know what's going on, but they uh, just don't, uh, they want to be entertained. I had to just fix something over here that the F-A-I-T-H knocked down. All right, so, no, uh, Hank is, was that Samuel? They're both twins, black completely black i think he looks he's looking to jump up on the bookshelf that means everything is going to come down crashing so alrighty. so but the pto shaft uh the tel- the pto rusted into each other so i gotta take that 
get that out and then uh, lubricate it up real well with some anti-seize. I, you know, time flies by. I probably did that 20 years ago when it was new. And you think, you say to yourself, oh, that'll be fun. And you forget about it, right? Things get away from you. So that is that. So let me see what else is here. Nothing else is new on this end. I may, <coughs> excuse me, there's a potential for me to start another podcast. I don't think it's going to work out. This would be a freelance podcast. I would not be doing it for myself. I would be doing it for a, uh, a company. And that is a, there's a, uh, well, it's a publishing company. And I, I think it's called LPN or something. They put out a newspaper called Lancaster Farming, and it's uh, it's it's quite a quite a good agricultural newspaper and stuff. Quite big in the East Coast here, Northeast area, Pennsylvania. And uh, they, I'm going to have a meeting with them to start a podcast, possibly start a podcast with them. It would be in the same theme as Idle Chatter, but it would have different topics. Excuse me, I'm not going to talk about the same thing every week on the podcast and the radio show, just like running off like on a copy machine. And we'd have to decide. But at this particular point, only preliminary talks, and we'll see. I mean, I would like to do it for them, uh, and I would uh, obviously enjoy it, because when you're in business, that's what you want. You want to do business, right? Not, not do business. But we'll see. I don't know what their expectations are and... Uh, not as far as the quality of the show is concerned i'm sure i could i'm sure i could meet and god willing exceed that and uh say not saying that too humbly right but uh i don't know you know you, you work with these bigger companies and they always they they we go oh, we don't have budget for that we don't have a budget for that that just simply means that I'm, and they did not say that to me so don't get that impression i don't want to give that impression but anybody who deals with the corporate world knows that oh we don't have budget for we you know but they just bought not them but they just bought a new jet like when you know when i was doing a lot of work with successful farming uh for a number of years seven about 10 or 12 years and did the tv show for, i think for seven years everything was no budget no budget you know well, why don't we do this on the show no budget we got no budget for it why don't we go no budget but then they bought two new jets all right so i guess maybe when you buy two new jets you have no budget so budget left over but that is like anything in life and uh you know, when usually when when the when people complain that you know, that the public when the public complains that the price is too high or I can't well they say I can't afford that that doesn't truly mean they can't afford it that just means that I mean some I mean obviously within reason so here's a ten million dollar house so I can't afford that but the thing is that if you're buying something in the that's within reason and it's more you know it's more than you want to spend and that's fine so but don't say that you can't afford it and don't say you don't have a budget so if you don't want to do something then that's fine you say that's more than i than i want to spend on that i understand that and like i said i'm not implying that they said that to me but that is so common today in the business world that they uh <clears throat> they look to do things and then the, they want you to do it on your own nickel right no budget so but the poor working man never he always has to have the budget for everything right the same thing happens with farmers i was listening to something on rural radio the other day and um i think when i went for my ride out to pennsylvania i call it my mental health trip oh brother here it comes it's faithy and um so 
they said that uh, so many organic dairy farmers are really, really suffering because they're not getting the premium for their milk. And I'm paraphrasing. I probably have some elements wrong if you are an organic dairy farmer. And uh, and the, the the dairy processors, right, that's always the middleman, the dairy, are, are, are claiming that they can't pay the farmer anymore because all of, the, all of their expenses went up for transportation, for this, for packaging. Well, what about the farmer? Then he buys the same diesel fuel, all right. I mean, so it's uh, you know, it's always the small guy that's supposed to take take everything on the chin. What's the matter here? Hello, Samuel. I'm sorry, but um, take everything on the chin while the big guys could just they can't absorb anything, but the but the small guy could absorb everything, right? And that's the way the world is today, and that's why we're in such a mess like we are in. So. Let me see. So I guess that's about it. I did my complaining for this week. and uh, But I, I'm sure you guys could hear that. I'm just going to turn my head away from a microphone for a minute, try to see see, see what's, what's, what's going on here. Okay, I don't know what's going on here. Hello, Faith. Yeah, so when you have a whole bunch of cats and they all <laughs> get riled up at the same time, then it's, oh, no, Faith, no, no, Faith. Hey, the people who think I'm doing something something, I, something bad here that you're complaining. It's it's raining out, Faith. All right, I'm going to try one more time to pause this. I've In all my career of idle chatter, over 300 episodes, I've never paused it like I'm doing now, and hopefully I don't mess this up. All righty, I'm back for the 14th time. Talk about hedging your bet. Uh, two of them went out, Samuel and Hank. Molly is sleeping. Uh, Ginger is sleeping. Faith was hedging her bet. She was half in and half out and wouldn't move. And then what her impetus was, she wanted me out of my office chair. She likes my office chair, which is fine when I have the other chair. But Molly is sleeping in the other chair. I only have two chairs in the office. So I can't stand here and do a podcast. It's not set up that way. So hopefully, God willing, we'll see what's going to happen. And once again, I apologize for all of these interruptions and the meowing. But... I have to try to get back on track because all this stuff kind of, you lose your mojo, not that I ever had it. <clears throat> but anyway, what I want to talk, or what I would hope to talk, here she comes. No, oh no, no, because they love walking on the equipment because <laughs> it has lights that flash and different colors and I don't know where she went. Okay, no, 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 Faithy, no, 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 Faithy, no, no, no. So uh, anyway, we're going to stop this once more. Alrighty, I'm back again. So Samuel and Hank are outside. They probably went around to the garage. And I Faith wouldn't go outside. So I had to go upstairs and carry her through. We have an enclosed breezeway from the house to the garage. And put her in the garage. We have I have the one door closed on the garage and the other one, the small door. We have a large, we're blessed to have a very large three-car garage. So it's three cars, but there's a lot of room around each car. So the smaller door, so we have one double door, one single door, we have down on a paint can so that the cats could go in and out and the door could be closed if we want it closed. So uh, hopefully she finds some entertainment in there. And I'm sure Samuel and Hank are in there. And Allie, I believe, is in there too. So I think they could go in and out. And that is basically that. So uh, once again, I apologize for all of these interruptions and the lack of professionalism. Thank God it's the podcast and not the radio show. 
I wouldn't, excuse me, I would not do that on the radio show. I have to re-record it 500 times. So what I'm going to talk about today, let me get my thoughts together, is I am going to talk about conversion. And uh, conversion is a term that we normally don't use when we talk about machinery. We have a talk converter, right? Well, that 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 con- that that is, is kind of a conversion. But lots of times when we think of conversion, there's all different applications in life. So you could say, well, you know, if I go to Canada, then I have to convert. What well, is a there's 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 an exchange rate for the money, which is almost you know one dollar is not worth the same as a Canadian dollar and you would convert it over and there's other times in life we're doing conversions we may be converting from a metric to an english measurement or vice versa but what i'm going to talk about today and if you and i'm not going to get too mired in the 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 chemistry of it i'm not going to get mired in it at all but i could say without any reservation or any interruption from cats probably a better more accurate way for me to say it is that if you glean what I am going to talk about, then you will know more about catalytic converters than I would probably say 99.9% of the people in the industry that are, that are making their living in the industry at all different levels, not just the mechanic level, all right, but, all, but to a certain extent in the engineering level also. And you could say, well, why do I want to know about catalytic converters to that level? Well, we're going to carry that through into some other elements of it, but it is very important for you to understand conversion rate because even if you have a an engine that does not have some sort of catalyst, and just keep in mind now, a catalyst could be on a diesel engine also, not just a gasoline engine. So... Uh, it, once you understand the conversion rate, you could actually go backwards and look at things on that are hap- potentially happening on your engine that will impact how it runs, its fuel economy, its reliability, its durability, its performance, and it has nothing to do with a catalytic converter because it all goes back to conversion. And you must say, what are you talking about? It's crazy. How are you going to connect those together? Well, I ask you to give me enough rope hang myself and then god willing i will be able to do it all right and what what needs to be recognized with starting with a catalytic converter that the word catalyst by definition it has a number of different definitions but its main definition and in regard to how we're looking at it is something that creates either speeds up or creates a chemical reaction without itself becoming consumed and that's very important that it that it impacts a chemical reaction without itself becoming consumed so it is not used up doing it and the catalytic converters came about as an emission control device so what is it going to convert it's going to convert which is which is the root uh, conversion is the root word is convert right so we're going to change something so just like synthetic oil starts with mineral oil but the, the process it goes through to synthesize it converts it or changes it. It's so much of a conversion that its molecular structure is so uniform now and does not resemble 
in many ways mineral oils molecular structure so that is why it's qualified as a synthetic and is no longer considered a a a mineral based oil or a mineral oil even though its root is with mineral oil it's all made from mineral oil it's just that it's changed so much it would be like you're taking taking milk from a dairy cow and making it into cheese so you've converted into something different and then the purpose of a catalytic converter is to convert harmful emissions to benign emissions and those emissions are co hc co2 and um, and, and and in some later converters oxides of nitrogen but uh, so we're just going to pump that all together and call it emissions we're not going to go and and qualify it for for each particular one and the way the catalytic converter works is that it has precious metals in it rhodium palladium some other stuff and it has a honeycomb and it looks like a honeycomb the there was only a gm years ago had a converter to use pellets but that design did not prove to be as efficient as the honeycomb design so everybody has honeycomb converters now well for the past probably 35 40 years so have honeycomb converters and the the uh elements in the exhaust gas the pollutants will react with these precious metals and it will make them benign it would be akin to you washing out a sprayer tank from a from a product you had let's say you had roundup or 24d or something and you wash it out and not just wash it but you are using a, a tank wash mixed with water that is going to make it benign because if you're just washing it it does not mean that you're really eliminating it could have leached into if it's a poly tank leached into the tank and leached into the rubber hoses so that's why you're not just washing it you're making it benign or in theory you're supposed to do that right depending upon what you spray so the idea of the catalytic converter is to take this and make these exhaust gases these these pollutants i should say benign so they're not harmful to the environment and to people and to animals so now the thing basically is just like when you deal with an engine and you talk about volumetric efficiency and that is a that is a, a metric or reading of how full the cylinder is with charge which is fuel and air mixed together well a catalytic converter needs to has to be designed and or is designed to have a very high level of efficiency so that means it's going to do a very efficient job a thorough job of interacting with these exhaust gases and making them benign and one of the things for the catalyst for that to happen this is when it's on the gasoline or diesel makes no difference is that it has to go into what is called light off there needs to be lit off and that is where there is enough heat in the catalytic converter because it requires heat from the exhaust along with these precious metals this interaction for the conversion process to start so the convert the converter has to be lit off it has to get to a certain temperature they're just like you putting some preheating in oven right to put a pizza in there right so or anything you're doing you read you know you says preheat oven to 400 degrees or whatever it may be so that's what happens so now the thing is that by design that the catalytic converter is and i'm going to say supposed to be a hundred percent efficient 
And so its conversion efficiency, its conversion rate is supposed to be 100. It's probably probably 99, 98 or something percent. But we'll say 100 for easy arithmetic. We're not going to pick fly manure out of pepper. So it's designed to be 100% efficient. And for this efficiency to occur is that it has to have a certain level of emissions sent into it. So if the mixture is too rich or the engine is misfiring, it has. so if it's too rich, it has a lot of carbon monoxide being sent to it. Uh, if it, the engine is misfiring, it has a lot of hydrocarbons, unburned fuel, and then that all impacts the efficiency of the converter. So a converter that may be uh, designed for a hundred percent conversion rate to clean up these emissions so make it to make the exhaust benign where you could actually just put your mouth on it and breathe it other than the temperature all right is that we start to lose efficiency and the same thing you know what happens with so many things in life so i particularly look at marketable ears on my corn right because that's all i could sell marketable ears if the ear is smaller or it's malformed or something then i can't market that nobody would want to buy it so that is my my conversion rate my efficiency rate of how so if i plant let's say twenty thousand plants and in theory i have twenty thousand ears of corn right each plant has one ear then the amount of my marketable my conversion for me my efficiency is how many of those years are marketable in a percentage so my goal as a sweet corn farmer is to have as close to a hundred percent marketable ears will every ear be marketable no it's not but my goal is to have a hundred have a clo- as close to a hundred percent marketable ears as possible so the catalytic converters goal is to have to be fed an exhaust emission that will allow it to have a hundred percent conversion efficiency and if you have a hundred percent conversion efficiency then the then the catalyst is doing its job and the exhaust that's coming out of the tailpipe of any type of engine is basically benign so now when 1996 came about and the and the gasoline vehicles had obd2 and then <clears throat> later on about 2007 6 2007 depending upon the class vehicle is that the diesels had what they call tier 4 emissions so there's a lot of parallels between a tier 4 and the obd2 but um one of the things that they did with the government mandated in obd2 is to monitor the catalytic converter efficiency so what that meant is that there's an oxygen sensor before the catalytic converter and depending if it's a v-shaped engine you'll have two for the left bank and the right bank and then after the catalytic converter there is another oxygen sensor and that sensor there is does not impact the air fuel ratio all it's basically doing it's like a go no go gauge it's identifying the conversion efficiency rate and i believe that when obd2 came out is that the system was was programmed it's it's a lot algorithm was meant to that it had to be at least 96 percent efficient coming out of going cleaning up the exhaust for it to accept it so there's that so it's a 96 percent level of conversion we keep i keep them purposely throwing that word in there conversion now why is this important to you 
Well, it's important to you for a number of reasons, because I want to instill in you a thought process, a mindset, the mindset of conversion, and I want you to take that to other things in your life. So basically, in essence, let's say you have $10,000, and you are going to invest it, right? We'll con- we, in, in the financial community, we call return on investment. But what is that investment, really? That interest that you're making or that profit is a conversion. You're taking, you're taking your money, and you are converting it into more money through interest. So if you have a, <clears throat> if you're a farmer, right? and you do a soil test and you want to look at the nutrients that are in the soil and then and the thing is that you will quickly learn if you didn't already learn right is that you could have the nutrients available but the nutrients could be there but they're not plant available because they are tied up so if you have something called base saturation if your levels in base saturation are not in balance like a crankshaft that's out of balance right the engine shakes then what happens is those nutrients are there but they're not getting into the plant and the plant is nutrient deficient even though the nutrients are in the soil because they got bound up or tied up with with a another nutrient because the the percentage of those nutrients was not was not uh in in the pro i don't want to say in, in the proper relationship for the plant to be able to absorb those nutrients so it'd be like saying well you know, I have uh, I have money in the bank, but I can't take it out of the bank. The bank is the bank is closed; it's locked up, right? So maybe it's not even a good analogy. So the thing is that <clears throat> it's important for you to understand because the catalytic converter, for a number of reasons. Number one is that if the catalytic converter does not have the proper conversion rate, then if you live in an area where there is an emission standard and and, and a standard that that causes or forces the obd2 or the tier 4 system to be scanned for any trouble codes that you will not be able to to legally drive the vehicle with a with a with a failed emissions test and you and they're doing an emissions test without even sticking a probe in the tailpipe because they're looking at the sensor or they're looking at the trouble codes for a conversion efficiency rate. So that is one. That is one reason. And that's one. And then now we'll put one A next to it, is that in many instances, you would have a you would have an engine, and we'll talk about a road vehicle here, because it's not going to be impacted with a farm tractor or an off-road vehicle, <clears throat> is that, I'm going to just move a little bit closer, is that the, uh, if you were to, have to replace that catalytic converter then you're talking in most part you're talking a few thousand dollars so it behooves you to understand why you want that converter to stay efficient and have that high rate of the high rate of conversion internally now the second thing is that or the third thing i'm losing count is that if you have you know the, the catalytic converter conversion or the conversion of efficiency, conversion rate, everybody calls it something different, is a, is a canary in a coal mine for what's happening with the engine. So if you can't, so if you're feeding the catalyst a, uh, 
a mixture that it's not able to convert. It would be like having a nutrient tie up in the soil with base saturation. So if you're feeding it something that it truly can't convert to at least 96%, then that's really an indicator of something that is going wrong in the engine. And then uh, that something going wrong could be uh, leaking injectors. It could be uh, uh, coolant, antifreeze, getting into the combustion process. Or it could be a number of different number of it could be a uh, a valve that is not sealing. It could be a carbon laden engine. It could be carbon laden injectors. So all that comes into play. So the conversion rate is very important to you because you want to take that and you want to backdoor that and say, okay, that if I can't have a high conversion rate, then I have to. It's not the catalyst's fault. Because in the industry, we say that catalysts are not, don't die, they are murdered. And then you'll look at a bunch of vehicles that I was, uh, and if you, I shouldn't say a bunch, let me rephrase that. That if you have an engine that's using a lot of oil, then over time, and now keep in mind because of the heat that's in the converter and a lot of modern oils today, that you could have an engine that uses you know, four, five, six hundred miles per quarter oil or less, and in very rare instance where you see any oil smoke from the exhaust. So, but if you're putting a lot of oil through an engine, through the combustion process, it may run fine, but you're putting a lot of oil through it, that over time that oil is going to con- is going to contaminate that catalytic converter and when the catalytic converter is contaminated its conversion rate drops down dramatically and once it gets below that 96 percent on an obd2 which is since 1996 and newer or a tf4 emissions all right so 15 the past 15 and 16 years is that it is going to flag it with some sort of trouble code and some service engine soon light or check engine light or what have you and maybe even on a diesel depending upon that on the calibration may actually even go into a d-rate program so the thing is that that is so it, it is something that you need to recognize and then also i want you to recognize because so many people today and rightfully so i think i hit this microphone no i didn't uh <coughs> are investing in pre-owned vehicles because of the uh the lack of vehicles and the, the price of new vehicles and what have you and if you had if you bought a used vehicle pickup truck car for your kids or your wife or what have you and it had a propensity to burn oil or it had the had a it had the beginnings of a head gasket leak and you were putting coolant through the exhaust then you are going to ruin the catalytic converter and then at one particular point down the road metaphorically you're going to put that dreaded surface engine soon light on and if you happen to live in an area that does not have an emissions testing yearly or, or, or every two years emission testing to maintain the vehicle's registration on the road then you're okay the worst thing you're going to do is drive around with a service engine soon light on but if you happen to be for instance in the northeast then they will give you 30 days to fix the car and they will not renew your registration and it would be illegal to drive the car or pickup truck or whatever it may be so depending upon where you are it is it is a potential problem so now the thing is that so i'm saying the catalytic converter the conversion rate drops down 
from burning oil, from burning antifreeze, from too rich a mixture, and we'll hopefully I'll be able to put this all together at the end. And then, so what actually happens to that catalytic converter? Well, it depends on what is going into the combustion chamber, because remember, whatever is going to the combustion chamber, and this is gasoline or diesel, I keep repeating it, all right? Whatever is going into the combustion chamber is going to be seen by the catalytic converter, because it's going to be burned, right, to some level. But what historically happens if you're putting a lot of oil through an engine the engine happens to have a propensity to use oil, which a lot of a lot of engines do today. Uh, they're all different brands. They have their their oil burners. Uh, we'll call it that. Is that that oil will actually end up or antifreeze or some other byproduct of combustion, or or, the, or another chemical that goes into the combustion process, will actually coat the monolith in the converter. So as it coats the monolith in the converter, then what's going to happen, it's going to insulate the monolith, which is the precious metals where the, where the chemical reaction takes place, and it's going to insulate it from the exhaust gas. It's not going to plug up the catalytic converter. People say, oh, plug up the converter. It's not going to plug up. When we say a converter is plugged up, that means that it melted down inside, that the monolith, the honeycomb, melted down inside, and it's now an exhaust flow restriction. You could, If you put leaded gas into a catalytic converter, you put antifreeze, a lot of engine oil over time, it's not going to plug it. What's going to happen? It's going to act as an insulator. So if it's so as the as the precious metals in the monolith become insulated, then just like I said, well, I don't want to put my, you know, put a cover crop down because if I have a good corn crop, I have so much so much trash using that term, right? Because we use that that trash in the field from the corn stalks because I'm not going there with a combine and taking it off. That if I spread the cover crop seed and spent a lot of money for it, it's landing on the corn stalks and the leaves. It's not landing on the ground. And cover crop doesn't grow on corn stalks or leaves laying on the ground. So that basically is a total waste of time, money, and effort, right? So the thing is the same thing happens. So if you coat this catalyst, if this catalyst becomes coated, it's not its airflow is not going to change but its ability, just like my seed would not have ability to have seed to soil contact if it's laying on the leaves of a corn plant that I mowed down, is it's so it's not going to have the ability to react with, or you're minimizing the reaction area so much. And that's something you have to that you have to recognize that it's the reaction area inside the catalytic converter that is going to impact or its efficiency so and then once it gets completely coated that even though the exhaust gas is going through there, it's taking a free ride all right and not doing anything and that is not interacting whatsoever so if it's not interacting then the catalyst cannot light off and if it does not light off reach a temperature of around a thousand degrees fahrenheit for the conversion process to start that the exhaust is taking a free ride through there you might as well just put a straight pipe on it it's not going to modify it it's not going to to modify it at all at all so basically in agriculture you could look so let's say you're spraying a fungicide right and you're spraying a fungicide and let's say on soybeans and 
the way that fungicide has to work, it has to cover the leaf, right? If it just gets one drop on the leaf, well, you got it on there. But if your if your nozzle is wrong and you can't penetrate with this penetrate with the with the uh, with this with the discharge from the nozzle, the spray through the canopy, or if it's just or if it's just going in a straight line, then you're only getting the leaf wet in one spot and maybe having the fungicide drop off, and you're not going to have any efficiency there. You're not going to have, and I'm going to say conversion efficiency, well, medicinal inf- efficiency to go and to keep a fungus out of the plant. That's why everybody says that it's so important for you to have canopy penetration on a crop like soybeans with a fungicide excuse me and you need to be able to cover the leaf so that or the majority part of the leaf so using that as an example that if you have if you get if you could get through the canopy that the spray gets through the canopy and you have a nice spray pattern a nice the proper droplet size to cover that whole leaf then that fungicide right becomes very very efficient well the same thing happens inside a catalytic converter is that it becomes very efficient and con- and has this high rate of conversion now the same thing happens with a diesel engine so if you have anything going wrong inside the engine that is going to impact us ultimately just like if you're a farmer right and you harvest in your crop and you know and in in that particular instance what the combine has in the hopper what goes with the yield monitors telling that's the real deal right that's where the rubber meets the road when i go into the field and I'm picking sweet corn, right? If I have, you know, if 90% of the stalks have an unmarketable ear, well, it could look great from the road, but that's an unmarketable ear. That's not a lot of efficiency for me. So the same thing happens with when, with the fungicide or with a catalytic converter. So it is important for you to recognize that. So now, the, a catalytic converter on a gasoline or a diesel engine is designed to to outlive the vehicle or the application so it is designed for it to i mean unless you you ran over something on the road and dented it or popped the hole in it or did whatever is that it is designed to to outlast the vehicle so you should be able to take that vehicle or that farm tractor or that semi all right because like i said i'm repeating it diesels have the same thing now tier four and you'd be able to take that to the junkyard and that converter still be good right so that so that is like me planting twenty thousand four hundred plants per acre and having twenty thousand four hundred ears of marketable sweet corn right from my mouth to god's ear so it, so the converter is not meant to go bad the converter is not meant to wear out the converter is designed now obviously at one particular point something could happen to it but just like if you if you let weeds start to grow in the field or like i had that fall panic come took over my field like when i was busy in the other field it was busy work and taking over the the first field which is a disaster and god willing i'll be able to clean that up for next year but the thing is that this that the things that that why i'm saying the things whatever is going to happen at combustion event and i repeated that many times because i'm trying to drill that home to you is going to impact that conversion so so if you had to put a catalytic converter on a vehicle 
or on a farm tractor or on a truck or semi what have you all right and on a on a, on a diesel they call it a doc diesel oxidation catalyst all right on the gasoline engine they just call it a catalytic converter but basically in essence it's it's the same the same thing slightly different dynamics and precious metals in it because of the different exhaust content of diesel fuel versus gasoline but it's still the same thing so now if you have to replace a catalytic converter on on, a, on one of your vehicles or a piece of equipment that you have and unless it fit unless it it experiences some sort of physical damage all right then if you just replace that that would be akin to make having a, a caliper a brake caliper dragging on a on a front wheel of a pickup truck the pads wear out and you just you just slap in new pads and that's it well, it's still dragging, and, and it's still going to wear those new pads out prematurely. So the same thing is going to happen. And if you do not recognize that, you're going to be putting multiple catalytic converters in this application, in this piece of machinery, or this equipment uh, over time. What is over time? Who knows? All right, depending upon what how the converter is being disruined, being coated and how much the vehicle is used or the machine is used and the problem that is that is having that is causing the pollution now for instance making an automotive analogy is that uh, back in the early 80s gm had a problem on some of their carbureted we use mainly the 307 Oldsmobile and the th- small block Chevy, but more the 307 Oldsmobile, is that they would run the en- that the something called the purge valve charcoal cannons. The purge valve would go bad. Those were carbureted applications, and the diaphragm would go bad in the purge valve. I do not know why uh, the diaphragm would fail prematurely. And what would happen is that the vacuum hose hooked up to the purge valve and was also hooked up to the bowl vent of the carburetor, would suck fuel, raw fuel, right out of the carburetor and then make the mixture very very rich when you superheat a catalytic converter gasoline or diesel with a very rich mixture that its operating temperature goes above the 1000 degrees that it needs and then then in short order it will actually melt the monolith down so in that particular instance you're melting the monolith down and you're causing a exhaust restriction while also coating whatever is left of the converter and ruining its efficiency but back in the early 80s up and prior to 1996 we did not look as one of the elements uh catalytic converter efficiency or we were concerned with flow so what would happen is that the people would bring their their buick and i worked in a buick the other wasn't just a buick bring the Buick in and they would have no power and a whole bunch of commands. sometimes if it got so plugged the engine would, wouldn't even run had to come in on a tow truck all right and the converter was plugged and what was so common now what happened is this $15 purge valve diaphragm going bad will now go and ruin a thousand dollar catalytic converter so what would happen is that the mechanics were very 
didn't know what they were doing to be polite, right? So they would go and they say, oh, another Lesapioca saber with a plug catalytic converter, all right? And they got very proficient in changing the catalytic converters. Plus, they wouldn't turn them into the parts department, so they'd sell them to the junk guy for the precious metals for 10 or $15. And then the car would go out, would be fine, would be running fine, but it still had the bad purge valve, all right? So it would still be sucking fuel out of the bowl, raw fuel, running very rich, and then uh, and running very rich. And then what would happen is that, in short order, whatever the short order is, like I say, you can't, I can't, <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> put a quantity of time quantify that. Whether it's one month, two months, three months, a year, depending upon the use of the vehicle. If it was a vehicle that was driven more, a couple of months later came back in with the same thing. We had cars that they put three or four catalytic converters on because no one was fixing the problem. And then, it, and it, it wasn't the catalytic converter, as I said, catalytic converters are murdered. They are, they do not die, they were murdered. So if you change the $15 purge valve, all right, and the catalytic converter, then that vehicle went out and you never saw it again. But keep in mind, because of as i said this is a canary in a coal mine because of the very rich mixture being caused by the diaphragm going bad in the purge in the in the purge valve which that was the whole problem all right that the mixture ran very rich and if it was 1974 and there was no converter well the mixture run very rich but a byproduct of that which was often ignored was that you would you would pollute the oil with a lot of gasoline due to the rich mixture so now you had this rich mixture all right that was ruining a thousand dollar back then now it's three or four thousand dollars my cousin uh's husband has a pardon me a new subaru i know some of you guys like subarus i know some of your listeners have them i'm not a big fan i don't think that they're bad but i don't think they're that wonderful either honestly to tell you the truth <laughs> i think they're basically everything is more or less the same thing you may have one element of something that you like better than other whatever but he has a new subaru it didn't plug the converter all right but he went off he, he well he got driven he went off to, off to the side of the road but then it dented the converter and and closed it up and his it was it's a new subaru it's like a year old or something so maybe a 22 21 22 i don't think it's a 23 five thousand dollars for a catalytic converter right and uh without installation on a subaru so uh so the thing basically is very 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 expensive and that's why people are stealing them for 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 salvage value but in essence what would happen is that they would run the the engine would be running so rich that you would have a crankcase loaded with oil and it was not uncommon for a engine that had two or three catalytic converters on it to be very short-lived and by 40 or 50 60,000 miles have a bearing knock or a very poor cylinder seal because you the rings were shot and the cylinder walls were glazed over all because of a bad purge valve all right so but that would happen over time and people say oh, buick's a piece of junk fifty thousand miles the bearings are the bearings are knocking and the, the oh, it's blowing, uh, all this other stuff right and the ring seal is shot right not that people would know the ring seal was shot and lack of power and that was all for a bad purge valve so the thing is that you need to be very concerned and as i get ready to to 
come near the exit on this show today all right not there yet the exit ramp is coming up right that the fact of the matter is is that when you look at things in life i want you to think of it as a conversion how efficient is this conversion and that is why i'm such a proponent and i beat you guys to death and a lot of guys roll their people roll their eyeballs even though i can't see and i do well you got to keep your injectors clean well what does a fuel injector do gasoline or diesel the fuel injector's job is to convert the fuel from a solid liquid stream into droplets and then how efficiently it does that droplet conversion from a solid liquid to droplets will allow for the for the <clears throat> for the uh vaporization of that fuel to take place and what is vaporization it's a conversion it's an efficiency rate all right so you know i shouldn't say it's efficiency it's a conversion so uh so if you could vaporize the fuel better because in, in vaporization the latent heat of vaporization is due to heat all right that's what latent heat of vapor heat is required to vaporize gasoline vaporize diesel fuel all right so the thing is that if you could have better vaporization you have better particle formation smaller particles accurate particles then you are going to have a higher rate of conversion of vaporization the engine is going to run better create less engine out emissions not stress the catalytic converter get better fuel economy get better mileage less wear and tear in it because you're not having this liquid fuel floating around and people and you want so many and, and with diesels it's the same thing i hear so many of these diesel engines and the exhaust sounds terrible because i know what's happening is that that injector is not atomizing the fuel properly and that fuel needs to be atomized because if they didn't need to be atomized why would you have like on a tier 4 diesel 30,000 pounds of line pressure going into the rail to the injector right because they want to atomize they want to break it into very small particles and just like the catalytic converter with the monolith gives a lot of surface area all right for it to have this conversion the same thing happens inside the combustion chamber of the engine forget about the catalytic converter all right that if you cannot have the the surface area of the fuel because you have large droplets or you're dripping in there or it's spraying in there then you're not going to have a good conversion rate and on a diesel engine that conversion rate is going to talk to you louder than it would be on a gasoline engine but if you listen to a gasoline direct injection engine all right is that it's going to talk to you to a certain extent like a diesel will because that fuel is being administered right into that combustion chamber so just like if so just like if you have the wrong tire pressure and you go into a field you're gonna you're gonna compact the soil greater because you're not using that full tread pad so it's so important but keep in mind is that the laissez-faire attitude oh i don't give a damn to hell with that hot rod farmer he could go to hell with all this stuff and telling me to treat my fuel and do this and keep my injectors clean and all this other stuff let them go to hell right that don't make you know that don't make no difference well it does make a difference all right because you have to have that fuel convert right conversion 
from a total liquid to it's still in liquid form but in droplet form from a solid stream to droplet form and then the, the, how how efficiently it makes the droplets and the size of the droplets will determine how it converts to the vaporization and becomes a vapor or rarefied form so it's just like if you went through if you look at your sprayer right which is very very visual if you're going down and let's say you're putting down a pre like acuron on your field and you're looking at your sprayer and you want this nice this nice pattern all right you want nice droplet size and that is why in agriculture they have different nozzles different tips for different droplet size so you're spraying dicamba you have to have this droplet size if you're spraying if you're spraying uh, a glyphosate you have this if you're putting a uh, fungicide on you want this droplet size all right so that's all in theory they calculated the droplet size that they need for the conversion rate like a catalytic converter and they want to cover the leaf so if you're going down and you're looking at your boom on your sprayer and then 10 percent of the boom is like a like a garden hose spraying down well yeah you got product going out there but it's not doing anything all right so the same thing happens inside your engine but keep in mind that all of the, the you know prior to the catalytic converter and is that if you the worst case scenario and i'm not saying that i that 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 i'm that i am embracing that is that you would have higher level of pollution going into the atmosphere right and you would never know it but the fact of the matter is that if you have a catalytic converter and you are in an area that requires an emissions test not emissions saying that you cannot have a engine service engines as a trouble code stored in the system you're not going to be able to, to, to drive that vehicle and now there's a, a well, i mean drive it. you're not going to be able to legally drive it register and it's very important it's very very important and uh and you know and specifically you know people people are buying a lot you know you buy a used semi right i understand the economic advantage of buying a used semi to haul grain understand that i mean nothing wrong with that whatsoever all right but with today's with today's engines you have to be concerned about that emission package on that because you could go in there and you could find out that the diesel oxidation catalyst is coated all right and it is useless and it, the system is the you know the thing with tier four the thing with tier four is that the way the government mandated it all right is that when you have a catastrophic emissions failure is that it goes into a a a, a limping strategy a power reduction strategy whatever you want to call it all right so just like if you don't go and you don't do you don't do your regens on your diesel particulate filter you keep bypassing some some applications have a button by you know that that uh that bypass for uh that you're not going through letting the region eventually it gets to that particular point and the vehicle will hardly run or the attractor will hardly run all right um because you kept you kept not doing the regenerations and so you didn't take that and take that particulate matter and turn to ash same thing is happening with a 
diesel uh, with an SCR system, which is uses DEF diesel exhaust fluid. If you look at all right, so that's uh, so it's a selective catalytic reduction. So it's a catalyst also. It's different than the diesel oxidation catalyst. But if you look at a D a system that uses DEF and has an so it has an SCR, and that's always the last the last stop of the, on the exhaust system. It's always the diesel the diesel oxidation catalyst is first, the diesel particulate filter is second, and then the the, the uh, SCR selective catalytic reduction, which it, it, which has the DEF going to it, is the last stop on the train, the exhaust train, right, and that doser which is the injector for the DEF becomes crystallized because of the DEF dried on it and you are not getting a good conversion rate because that's just like a fuel injector what's going to happen is that diesel exhaust fluid that urea and deionized water has to mix together and it has to have it has to be able to convert that emissions with that precious metals it's the same thing like a gasoline catalytic converts just different precious metals to do it to accomplish a different thing just like you'll have one herbicide kills this broadleaf another one kills grasses right sort of thing same thing and you're having that then this system because they all have a sensor after an oxides of nitrogen sensor prior and then after the scr system to see its conversion rate so so you're going to be you're going to be unbeknownst to you is that there's there's so many things on today's vehicles or i say vehicles engines applications farm machinery what have you that are monitoring monitoring conversion rate and that is why i start start to talk to you about the catalytic converter but i want to take this before i end and make it broader so if you're going and you have your nutrients out of balance in your soil right in base saturation then you are not converting those nutrients into a plant available food for you to increase your yield so you have the nutrients in the field and the thing basically is and you have a plant that's 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 uh, boron deficient or sulfur deficient or what have you right because you're not converting it and we have to think at this this episode today is more of a mindset than giving you an education about catalytic converters even though you now know more about catalytic converters than most people all right it doesn't work on magic it's not a mystery but if you take the conversion mindset so when you look at a piece of when you when when you are so if you look at a setup like last week or a couple of weeks ago on the radio show i spoke about brake pad wear brake shoe wear well what are you doing you're converting that let's talk about brake pads you're converting that surf that 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 friction material against that rotor on a disc brake system all right to absorb energy and create friction and create and 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 create resistance against the wheel to stop that vehicle or that farm tractor or whatever it may be all right so the thing is that now if you go and if you look at it and you take a brake pad out and the brake pad is worn cockeyed or on an angle or one pad is worth one more than the other then it's conversion from its conversion of friction is not been uniform and is not efficient all right so now you say the guy's nuts he's talking about it that way well the thing is that i want you to have that mindset 
all right so if you look at a ground circuit and it's a high impedance ground are you saying that it's that there's nothing no electrons going to the ground i'm not saying that unless the wire is broken it's an open circuit but its conversion of putting the electrons to ground has been minimized and compromised and there's a lot of vehicles today going back to cat jumping around here to like a rubber ball the catalytic converters is that there's a lot of vehicles out there today that are by whatever reason i don't know all brands all right i don't care what it is whether it's a toyota whether it's a ford whether it's a hyundai whether it's a cadillac or what have you and they have a propensity to burn oil use oil and when you have that propensity to burn oil in that vehicle then you are going to have a catalytic converter gasoline or diesel all right the doc on the kind of diesel engine diesel oxidation catalyst just catalytic converter on a, on a spark ignition engine and you are going to ruin that converter over time all right so it, it it's gonna it's gonna happen and you don't and you want to know that so let's say you're buying a combine right and the used combine you say preonte right and that combine has a propensity so if you're looking at it and the and and has and you've gleaned that it has a propensity to use coolant well and it has a diesel oxidation catalyst and and an scr all right then you are going to have a doc and scr over time from depending on how long it ran with the so that's using coolant so let's say it's using coal it's got a uh, nothing wrong with the engine right it's got a water cooled center section on the turbocharger liquid cooled center section and the seal air is letting it put antifreeze into the exhaust or into the engine on the on the uh on <clears throat> on the compressor side all right and you're putting that putting that through there over time you are going to ruin those emission components let alone having that you know impact the rest of the engine but, but even if it doesn't you're going to ruin those emission components so this show today is more of a thought process for you to consider that you to think about it these guys that are rolling coal right and they have all the emission and on their diesels and they have all the emission controls still in place all right then you're ruining them you're rolling coal not only you're ruining those emission components you're washing the oil off the cylinder walls from that rich mixture forget about the say say i don't give a damn about emissions i don't care i took it all off well when you're rolling coal and you have a and you have a a a tier four diesel that you that that you took all the that 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 you took all the emission controls off fine god bless you all right you're washing the cell you're washing the oil off the cylinder walls because you got so much fuel in that combustion chamber and that cylinder that it can't process it it can't convert it there's no chemical to mechanical energy conversion for it so this liquid fuel is now going against the cylinder wall and it is and it is washing the oil off the cylinder wall and then going into the crankcase so not only are you wiping the rings out you're wiping the rest of the engine out not because of its lack of lubricity so you got a two for one with that right you excessive ring wear excessive cylinder wall wear from this fuel being in the cylinder bore but then once it gets in the oil you are wiping the rest of the engine out all right so the thing is that there's nothing good about it you have to have a just like in base saturation in soil you have to have things in bowels you have to have a conversion of in the exhaust you have to have a conversion all right and 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 uh uh 
in a hydraulic system, right? So, hey, what are you talking about conversion? Well, you want to convert that hydraulic pressure to work, right? So if you go and if you have uh, a bad, let's say, uh, a, a, a bad a swivel, a pit, I'll call it a joint, all right? Or in, 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 in um, well, let me just, let me just, that's not a good way for me to say it. Whatever is moving hydraulically, if it has a lot of internal friction, not on the hydraulic side, on the mechanical side, then you are not getting your full hydraulic benefit from it because it is being consumed with that. So hopefully that you have a better understanding of catalytic converters. Hopefully you have a better understanding of the conversion rate. Hopefully you have a better understanding is that if you burn oil, an engine burns oil, burns antifreeze, has dirty injectors, gasoline or diesel, dripping fuel in, that you are doing, you're taking away from that life of that catalytic converter. And if you keep that piece of equipment in a vehicle long enough, it is going to cost you thousands and thousands of dollars, not even considering the collateral damage that happened inside that engine. So I'm sorry about today's show. I'm sorry about my cats. And uh, I apologize for that. And I want to thank you for listening. And if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to me at Hot Rod Farmer at farmmachinerydigest.com. And I promise next week, no cats. <laughs>